Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week, I talk to them about how they've built their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. Let's get on with the show. In this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined by Jan Berkis, the group treasurer at MultiChoice Group. MultiChoice is Africa's leading entertainment company. They create and secure the rights to amazing content from all over the world, and it goes direct to TV, home, digital TV, and everything else, and online video services. Basically, I'm going to get Jan to explain that right the way through, because really interesting group, and he's got a really fascinating career, and as we were just talking about, a bit of an unconventional path within Treasury, so let's get straight into it. Jan, tell us about your career to date and how you first well, discovered finance and then treasury. So over to you, sir, as always. Yes, hi, Mike, and thanks for having me. Pleasure. I definitely had a bit of an unconventional route getting into treasury. You know, I finished, finished off my, my articles. I am a qualified chartered accountant by trade as well. At the end of my articles, you know, career, I did not necessarily want to stay with, within audit, but the opportunity came across my path to, to join a company called called AFCRI, within the heading up the kind of smaller internal audit team at this at the stage. And, you know, so I, I jumped at, at the opportunity. And in hindsight, I would say the two years that I spent within internal audit was, was actually a blessing in disguise. You know, I managed to get to know the entire group. I got to know pretty much everybody within the organization. So my initial doubts about the, the opportunity, you know, quickly got vanquished. I can put it uh, like that, you got the complete spectrum of the entire group and you got to meet people and people got to meet you. And, you know, one thing that I will say, you know, on the outset of this chat is I've always had a mindset in terms of making sure I get involved in things that's not necessarily, you know, part of just your, your normal day job. Yeah. So while within internal audit, my boss at that stage also looked after the, the corporate finance M&A side of, of the business. And, you know, as, as soon as he was busy with, with something else, you know, I always reached out and, you know, tried to, you know, can I assist with anything? Or, you know, can he basically give me feedback in terms of, you know, what, what they are doing and what they're, what they're busy with? And, you know, that's how I got the exposure at the end of the day to, to the M&A side. So after two years of internal audit, got an opportunity to, to join on the corporate finance side, working closely with him and stayed with within that function for, for the next four years, ended up running it for, for two years. Just so that people understand, AFGRI itself, just as a group, they, you know, again, people might not understand that. So can you just outline who they are? Because again, that, that really affects, you know, it's some interesting moves, you know, sort of thing. AFGRI is a multi-choice, not the usual moves, but go back to you, sir. So AFGRI is an agricultural company focusing within agri and foods business. So your storage of, of grain in silos all the way to you know, animal feeds, the mechanization side. AFGRI was an agent for, for John Deere, you know, selling, selling all those high-tech uh, instruments to farmers. There was a farmer financing side to, to the business, so you know, heavily focused within the agri space, the food space, which was a, a fantastic experience to, to go through in terms of, you know, everything that impacts the business. So watching closely, you know, weather patterns, being cognizant of, you know, when there's going to be a good harvest and a bad harvest and 
our international grain prices and soya prices moves and impacts the, the business. So there were so many interlinking uh, aspects of, of that business to, to kind of get used to and to, to learn over, over time. Yeah, a different, more, more rounded sort of finance role rather than just yes. do the accounts and everything else. We talked about this on yeah. the pre-show when we, we, we did a pre-podcast and discussed that. You, you know, some people just go in, do your audit, you know, maybe get you qualify and then here are the books, do this. But you were actually yeah. involved in the operation and that's how then your other roles evolved, wasn't it? So yeah, after finishing on the internal audit side, then be getting involved on the corporate finance, MA side of things, which was obviously very specialized. It was a kind of a brand new field to engage in and upskill yourself. There's a very big difference in terms of, you know, what you learn on, you know, valuations while you're studying versus, you know, actually doing it as part of the M&A transaction, having those discussion between parties. So that was a, a fantastic experience to, to go through. And as part of the, the kind of four years with, within M&A, that's where the first exposure and engagement with, with banks came Mm. So as part of these these transactions, there were normally some sort of facility involved. I will never forget the you know the first meeting where I sat and the treasurer at that stage. We were meeting with one of the banks, and the banks asked him, "Can you please send us a copy of your covenant register?" And I just thought to myself, you know what what are they talking What's about? <laughs> what, what is this? And that's kind of where the where the interest got got sparked as part of. That entire M&A cycle, it was important for me to get a better understanding of, you know, how banks look at these, you know, what's what's the key metrics within the business when they look at funding and all of those things. And then closer to my four-year, to the end of my four-year stint within the the M&A side of the business, we went through a patch where there, there wasn't a dedicated treasurer. At, at AFCRI at that stage, there, there was an operations team that managed the, the day-to-day functionality. And my boss at that stage was the, the CEO of, of the group. We were looking at something and I basically reached out to him and said, I'm more than happy to, to assist you with any of the treasury things if, if you've got capacity issues. So you know, I've had a, a little bit of experience as, as part of the kind of M&A team in terms of you know, what goes into these term sheets and, and all of that. I think it was probably a week later. He, he called me and said, "Listen, would I be willing to to look after you know the group treasury function for him?" Just by nature, I, I jumped at the opportunity. My mind, and we'll we'll probably kind of get that to late, but you know, my mind is of such you know I enjoy having a job where you know every day is different. You know, so kind of you know getting into into treasury you know offered that opportunity. Now. You go from an M&A type business where obviously a lot of what you're doing is, is confidential. Yes, you engage with certain people. And then you go into a treasury function where you know, you've got a, a much wider, you know, bigger team to manage. All of a sudden, you engage across the business again. It became very quickly a function of me upskilling myself because there wasn't anybody to formally hand over or guide me. Get to know the operations team a lot better very quickly and start focusing on the, the key touch points from a from a treasury point for, for, the, for the business units as well. What was treasury like there? You know, what was the complexity of treasury? Because I know that then your role grew and grew as you guys sort of evolved. You know, how did that then come about? Because I think that was interesting how it developed, if that's the right way. You sit with so many different business units, 
that brings a lot of different funding requirements that you need to look at. So there was a, a big portion of, especially I would say that, you know, the kind of first year of, of that five-year period was just understanding, you know, those funding requirements and the various cycles. Agriculture, you know, between the, the mechanization and the, the foods businesses, you know, there's, there's different cycles and at different periods in the year, there's, there's various levels of, you know, funding requirements and how do you get visibility of all of that and bring it all together? It was definitely a tough learning environment to quickly get your head around that ask and what's required. And with that, the other fun part of Treasury is, is obviously dealing with people and dealing with personalities. You know, as a fairly young person in, in a senior role, you have to build that emotional intelligence in, in dealing with the difficult customers. So it's something that's over the past eight years of, of my treasury career, that ability, having that ability to not manage, just manage your own team, but also, you know, how to engage with different customers in your business unit and how you get communication across to them and, you know, get what's their need and, you know, how you can fill that gap and get alignment. That's definitely a, a skill that's, you know, possibly not always talked about, but it's, it's so crucial and core to that the overall role of you know being a group treasurer yeah and then your role sort of grew and grew and you know you were then advanced your career that's probably the best way you sort of stepped up and stepped up you know maybe talk about that if you would to us because you know you went from this sort of financing role to the real leadership treasurer role what what was that like was your head spinning a bit or what you know what was that like the key thing during, during that whole transition stage was just to you know ask as many questions as i could Make sure that I've got adequate knowledge on topics. That if somebody did have any questions, you know, that I've got the ability to answer. So the last thing you want to do is sit in a, in a senior management meeting and get a question and you, you know, you sit there and you don't really have anything that you can say or add. So very quickly focused on, you know, kind of upskilling myself on that basis. You know, making sure that you fully understand, you know, the industry at that stage, AFCRI's specific needs and asks becomes an on-the-job thing where you then just grow your overall knowledge base and what you know. Obviously, engagement with, with banks is, is critical and it will always remain a critical aspect, but making sure that not just your relationship manager, but, you know, the credit team, especially at banks understand, you know, what your business is about, you know, what's your needs, how should they view the business to, to give them that comfort. And that just makes for, for easier, you know, discussions when, when you do meet with them. So I went through a five-year journey from basically getting a job where I had limited experience to the end of year five, where, you know, I've managed to get a much better understanding of what's, you know, happening and what's required, where the focus should be. But I also reached a stage in my career where I felt I need to move on now. I've reached a bit of a ceiling yeah. in terms of, you know, what I can contribute and learn at AFCRI at that stage. And I will forever be grateful in terms of for, for my 11 years at, at the company and the opportunities that was, was given to me. That's when I made the decision to, you know, to have a look at, at something else. It came about, though, a little bit curiously, didn't it, with you change things a little bit on your profile or various other bits? Because I thought that was an interesting sort of 
yeah. mini nugget, you know, for people yes. listening today, you know, because we we talk about LinkedIn is a professional network. It's not just about getting jobs, but although this flies in the face a little bit, explain that a little bit, if you would. At that stage, I was using LinkedIn, I think, like anybody else, but, you know, nothing too significant. I had a profile, a little bit about myself, but when I, I made the decision to, to look for other opportunities, I didn't limit it just to South Africa, you know, effectively you know, had a view for broader international opportunities, possibly. So I reached out to a, a lady in, in the US on, you know, how things work there, what's the kind of documentation, how do people present all of that. And that got us to, to the topic of executive resumes. So, mm. you know, within South Africa, we've got the normal CVs and all of that. And she very quickly, you know, when I sent through my documents and everything that I updated, she says, you know, we, we don't use that. Yeah, it's a two-pager executive resume, and the focus is purely on what value did you add to the company over, over your career? Be specific. How did it impact the financial results of, of a company? And, and that's where the focus is. Nobody is interested in terms of, you know, what were you know, all the list of activities and responsibilities that you had. They want to know what value that you add to a company. So I went through a complete reflection process to update that, construct that document, which forces you to sit back and really think about, you know, what you did over, over your career. Mm. Then that formed the basis of a complete rewrite and updating of, of my LinkedIn in profile. And that effectively resulted in two things. So for one, it forever changed the, the way that I think about my job that, that I've got, making sure that you maintain that value-add mindset in anything, everything that, that you do. You're not just going through the mechanics every day and just getting things done, mm. which was super important for me. You know, and I wish... Actually, you know, these two-page executive resumes become a worldwide standard because it's the quickest way to get a sense of who you are dealing with and you know, what achievements, you know, this person has or her had within their career. The day that uh, I made my new profile live, the next day a recruiter in Cape Town contacted me for the job that was available at MultiChoice. At that stage, multi-choice was still part of, of NASPERS. A lot of people will also know them from Process. It was listed a few years back in, in the Netherlands. And But multi-choice on, on its own was a massive opportunity, and it's a, it's a big business. The company, we've, we've got presence across you know, 50 markets in Africa. We've got a technology company, Arteto, which is headquartered in in Amsterdam, with with footprint in various continents, so they focus on you know more connected security, Internet of Things scope. So you know it's it's not uh, you know directly linked to kind of the you know the pay TV online you know data consumption side of the business. So just the the sheer scope in in opportunity and size of of the company obviously you know made it a, a very exciting opportunity to pursue. Went through the first interview. I thought it went okay. Being interviewed, I think there was you know four or five people, including the group treasurer of, of NASPERS was, was involved. Then got a, a callback for a, a second interview, which was with, with the CFO at, at that stage, as well as one of the HR business partners. I think it was a few days after that, I got, uh, got a call in, you know, they would like to offer the position to me. And for, for me, it was it was a, a no-brainer. So as much it was 
sad to say goodbye to AFCRI and you know everything that you know and got comfortable with over a given period, I reminded myself that nothing great comes from staying in your comfort zone. So accepted the, the position, joined in March 2018. So it's been just over, over three years now, and it's been a fantastic journey. Let's talk through that journey. Again, for people listening today, they might be in a similar situation. They're about to start a new role or recently started it. What was the state of Treasury there? I mean, this is a loaded question because we've already had this call, and I know this, so I'm, I'm totally yeah. leading my my interviewee. So Paul and Yaz, well, we've already talked about this, Mike, but I think it was really, again, a nice thing to pick out that I think that, you know, the way you grew it and the, your ethos around people as well, but back to you as always, I'll shut up and let you, you talk. Carry on, sir. <laughs> It was already an established treasury function within multi-choice. A lot have been put in place when I joined. I would say the biggest thing for me was to give myself time to fully understand the business. It obviously was way more significant in scope than what I had exposure to previously, what I had to deal with. So allowing myself enough time to get to know the business, the various people that are involved and everything that is treasury related that we had to look at and manage. And as part of that was kind of, once you kind of get your mind wrapped around that, you know, then first you're really in a position to sit back and say, okay, well, you know, where are some of the gaps or where are some of the you know, opportunities? You know, where can we optimize things a bit, a bit better? And, you know, effectively we started with a two and a half year, call it tech optimization Drive during that stage, multi-choice unbundled from from Nasdaq, so we we had to deal with with that, which was a significant project on its own, for which we managed to win a Adam Smith Treasury Reward as yeah. well, which we are very very proud of. My sole focus was to one: we need to make sure that there's visibility. Anybody in for anybody in Treasury will tell you that. Forecasting cash visibility, having quick, accurate access to data is golden. Yeah. To limit the amount of manual exercises. So, you know, we made use of a, a lot of Excel and Excel is great for many things, but it can only take you to a certain point. So, you know, really focused on, you know, where we could optimize and it didn't become an exercise just of telling our executives, you know, we would like X, Y, and Z. It was more a function guys who would, would really like to do X because this is the value that it will add. What I want to do is, and again, we talked about this before, and we look about the difference. You know, you've come from industrial services and industrial company to digital, you know, to yeah. entertainment company and things. You had similar checklists we talked about. You just talked, you touched on it there, the visibility of cash. You know, this is your sort of, again, with some of the listeners when they're going into new roles or thinking right i need to do a review you know what are the top two or three or five things that visibility cash is obviously key what did you find perhaps the difference in industry was you know there must be different drivers supply chain and everything else what was the contrast making the move yeah. and then what were the commonalities if you like so maybe what were the real differences that you you know noticed and then actually oh actually this is exactly the same i would say in terms of Comparing AFCRI to, to multi-choice, except yeah. for completely different industry, going from agri and foods to media, paid TV, that spectrum, obviously that was a significant change on, on its own. I am a bit of a 
a techie at, at heart in terms of enjoying these type of things. So the you know the multi-choice fit became very natural for, for me. Yeah. Dealing with such a big business, the scope of FX exposures and you know what we had to manage was way more significant than, than what I had to do previously. Coupled with that, you know, a lot more people engagement. So I would say in terms of comparing the two entities, everything went around scope. You know, everything was just so, so much bigger. It's so much more that you had to, that you had to get to, to learn and had to get comfortable with. So that, that formed the basis of getting comfortable with that. And then you start with the next, the next step. So in terms of commonalities, forecasting, accurate forecasting, and you'll find that in, in any business. I don't think that will ever disappear. Yeah, that's the commonality. Be, yeah. Yeah, it will ever be, you know, it will, it will remain critical. The extent of, you know, FX exposures that we have to, to manage, that was definitely something something new that I had to get accustomed with and get comfortable with. Then, obviously, with within such a, a big organization, getting to grips with your governance structures, your relationships with central banks, being in so many markets, so all of a sudden you deal with multiple exchange controls. It's not just you know the South African Reserve Bank anymore. So you know just kind of coming back to that initial statement, just the scope of everything changed. Yes, there was similarities and commonalities from a treasury concept perspective, but your knowledge in terms of you know what you need to know and be on top of you know just multiplied by by factors. We spoke before and about your team and the people and the way that you you coach and manage and things like that. Can you give us a sort of a flavor for that as well? We run a centralized treasury, including myself with a team of, of seven, seven people. I think something that's since day one that I recognized as a, as a challenge within treasury teams, you know, being so specialized and, and sometimes small, is, you know, how can you give your members of your team, how can you give them exposure to the, the entire treasury value chain, if you want to put it like that, over time? Now, when I joined, we, you know, we had a very much your traditional front middle back office structure in within treasury. It was difficult to, to give, you know, everybody exposure to different areas. So, effectively, you redesigned the treasury structure. So, Obviously, I'm, I'm the head of Treasury, and right now we've got a, a team that focuses just on cash and liquidity management, and we've got a separate team that only focuses on financial risk management, so FX and everything related to that. So I've got two two direct uh, senior Treasury analysts that, that reports to me, and they both have two individuals supporting them. And over and above that, I implemented a rotational structure. So the senior guys effectively rotate every year, while their support uh, team members rotates every two years. So it just just became a, a natural kind of conclusion for me. You know, this is a fantastic way to over time give these guys exposure to you know everything that's you know that, that it is towards uh, multi-choice treasury, and you know as the maturity grows and people's Knowledge and exposure on these uh, specific items, you know, grow. I can then incorporate the, the senior guys into more of the projects that that I get to deal with and give them exposure on, on that end. Because at the end of the day, I mean, you want you want your, your people to grow. Mm. You want to keep their interactions and their experience at at, at work and of a nature where they feel that they're growing. You know, so you know they don't get bored. 
which is very important because as soon as people get bored, I mean, they, they are going to leave. I think it's inherent to, to, to yeah. human nature. And make sure that we, we're now in a position to give, uh, you know, these, these guys very, you know, focused and specific training. So, you know, whatever we put them on, make sure it adds, you know, not just value to, to their lives, but then also has the future value for, for the business. So really making sure that you engage with your team, make sure that you, as a manager, you know exactly what their needs are, you know, what do they require to, to function and do their jobs and really listen to it and do something about it. Because mm. I often tell my guys, you know, there's no superstars within multi-choice treasury. The treasury works because the entire team works. Everybody has a platform and an opportunity to give their voice and their opinion. So candor is a, is a very big thing for, for me. People must be able, be given that opportunity to give their view and opinion without fear. As soon as you enter an arena where people are too afraid to ask something or to speak, there's just no benefit around it. So, you know, even if they're just comfortable to do it within a treasury space, I at least, you know, want to give them that opportunity, get used to the type of conversations if we need to have a hard conversation on a topic, then, then we've got it. But the, the team knows that it never gets personal. And that's where you unlock value. From my perspective, it's, it's also just remain humble. You're never going to know everything that there is to know about treasury. So make sure that you, you learn from your peers. You can learn from your, your own staff. Make sure that you know, you know what's uh, kind of new requirements, you know, how, the, how the industry is, is evolving. And just continue learning and make yourself open to, to gain, gain knowledge. We spoke about this before, and I made some further notes. I was just looking through them, and I think that, I think there's some terrible byproducts as a recruiter. I would say that they're from this, and we we, we did discuss it a bit before, but it sort of came back to me, and we we're just looking back through here and some of the bits I noted afterwards, and we perhaps didn't talk on our pre-podcast call, but a byproduct of what Jan's doing with his rotation program and everything else is a lack of recruitment needs. As a recruiter, I've got kids that need shoes, all right? So, you know, we need to keep <laughs> that going. And But joking aside, because you were incentivizing and, and leading those guys, you know, through the path, you're getting greater in-depth knowledge. Again, there's you know, people are enjoying their jobs more, but they're actually, you're retaining that that knowledge from the group. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute as we move in the future of Treasury. But you've had all those. Are there any other benefits you've seen or what other things do you think when you look at your team now? that Where do they go from here or how does it keep on evolving? I think, you know, from implementing that structure to another thing that I'm very passionate about is, yeah. is not to micromanage. I don't like to be micromanaged and I don't like to micromanage. So I think as soon as you allow your staff the, the freedom to do what they need to do and also give them, you know, that sense that you trust them and you know they're going to deliver you know, very importantly, make sure that exactly that they know what is expected and when it's expected. I mean, there's there's so much benefits in terms of, you know, just seeing people grow, getting that confidence. You, you end up with a team where people are not constantly coming back and saying, is this okay? You know, I've done this. Yes, you can still provide guidance when, when required, but the level of kind of, you know, maturity and, and growth potential that you that you give people and not micromanaging them. I mean, it's it's just so vast. Yes, I would like to retain my team, and I'll do anything that I that I can to make sure that they get opportunities. But my team also knows that if there's ever anything that comes across their path that looks quite interesting for for them to pursue, or if they feel that you know that's a direction they want to go go into, they've they've got my full blessing. I will only back them whatever that that might be. So. 
you know, it's it's that sense of yes, we we we're a bunch of guys working together in a corporate structure, but you you get a lot more kind of personal and, and close over over time. I mean, there's there's only benefits around. And Jan, we we talked bringing us more sort of to the present day, if you like. We've been before COVID, during COVID, and, and heading out of it, and things like that. And, and, and well, we're still different states and things. You're based in South Africa, so you guys are, you know, coming through it as well and and stuff. But w- without the pandemic, anyway, you've always had these local challenges and things like that. How have you, you know, what's your ethos, you know, around coping with it, all of this stuff? You know, how's that affected you, sort of thing? What's the, you know, the general general thoughts from you really i would say we are in the fortunate position of you know working in in africa the one thing that africa will will do especially from a treasure perspective is is keep you humble there's there's always you know something happening there's always a challenge that you need to get a solution to kind of looking at that a big focus on my end what you know it's always been you know just make sure that you're prepared Make sure that you know exactly not just what's what's happening with within your markets, know exactly what's available to you. Just as an example, in terms of liquidity investment products, you know what type of FX instruments you know are available in all of these these markets. Make sure that you're in a position where if you need to make a decision, that you already have all the tools and knowledge that you need to to execute quite quickly on that. So having that preparation constant finger on the pulse mindset i think uh, you know prepared us quite well for for covid so from a treasury perspective i think we were quite comfortable in in what we needed to to do yes there were certain areas where you you may have you know intensified you know, just existing exercises on our end you weren't kind of caught off guard and you and you didn't know how to deal with, with this. I think as with many other corporates, the, the kind of the only challenge was just the initial work from home scenario and setup, making yeah. sure that you know everybody can function, everybody's comfortable. You know, having gone through a, a art lockdown where you you know almost can't leave your leave your house, you know, making sure that from a kind of an emotional standpoint, you know, that everybody is is doing well and, and coping. So, you know, I, th- I think we've we've gone through this pandemic quite well. It's we've been working from home now for a year already. You know, we maintained the levels and the standards that we set out. We still executed on on all our projects. And and then that just comes back to preparation, you know, effective communication, making sure that everybody knows exactly now, you know, what they what they need to do. And and then you you end up with, with something that you can you can manage. And then you just prioritize, you know, what whatever is most urgent. Prioritize, focus on that, make sure that you deliver it, and then you go on to the next thing. So you can very quickly become over overwhelmed. You just kind of pile everything on. So you know, just make sure you know every now and then just break it down into smaller, smaller components and just continue to deliver, and then you should be fine. Before we reach the end of today's again, we'll put your LinkedIn details and get your top three tips shortly. But as we come out of this, where do you see things or you know, what are your Again, we spoke about this before the show, but you know, what are you you thinking is next? What are your plans for the future, and how do you see things? You talked about their technology, or what? What are you? Again, we sometimes talk about CFOs saying, "Can you deal with this? Can you deal with this?" Obviously, it's been a weird world. You know, we had business coping, not business as usual, then a bit more business as usual. Now we're looking at the future and things. What's rising to the top of your mind, if you like, as a treasurer? That's the right way to ask it. I think the accuracy of of data, getting it better forecasting, quicker forecasting, 
So, you know, linking that with things like you know, machine learning, AI, obviously topics that, that people are, are well accustomed to. But for, for me, treasury is specific. You know, I think as a treasurer, you should definitely have a sound knowledge around things like machine learning. I don't think you necessarily have to be a, you know, an expert in the field. There's people that dedicate their careers to that. But you should at least be able to have an intelligent conversation with somebody that you know, does specialize within it. Obviously, as you know, from a treasury perspective, we know our data, we know what's available, you know, where's the kind of difficult portions around it. And you know, having that insight and also then you know having this kind of basic understanding on you know how machine learning works and you know how these models are built and what they rely on, you know, what data structures, etc. I think you know there's there's a lot of value in it. It is something that that I'm currently focusing on personally as well in just you know upskilling myself within that field. But you know if I if I stand back just the access to technology, it's just becoming, you know, just easier and easier and easier over time. So, you know, making sure that you incorporate that with, within your function, you know, is a definitely uh, a must-have. On the back of that, I will always be cognizant of a very basic rule, garbage in, garbage out. So make sure that you still have, you know, those principles in place within treasury, with, within business and that alignment to give you the best possible you know, data to work with, and, and then you can harness the, the benefits of, you know, all these uh, technological advancements. So, yeah, I think, you know, definitely it's just going to gonna increase, you know, in, in importance over, over time. As we approach the end of today's show, you know, that again, we had a conversation before and it was brilliant. I know that this we keep our podcast to half an hour, 40 minutes, but we could literally keep talking about us. And I really enjoy yeah. it and, and our conversation. But as we approach the end of today's show, we'll put your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But as you reflect back over the time, over the years, if you like, that you've been within Treasury and then looking at the future, what, what sort of tips would you give to people or what are your overall thoughts, as it were? I would say, Mike, probably the, the most important for, for me is having a value and a service mindset. As a treasury function, as a predominantly a, a cost function in a lot of organizations, make sure that what, whatever you do, you, you add value and understand where you can add value. If you end up with a treasury function that effectively pays for itself, you know, every year, you know, that's 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 golden. So make sure that People within the business also fully understand where you can assist and what you can do for them, making their lives lives easier. That's that's where you get by. You know, it's it's not the silo approach of you know, do you just kind of running operations, you know, every every day. You you need to you need to have that ability to you know get that complete view. You know, I mean that links into the engagement with, with business. You engage, you communicate, everybody has clarity on uh, you know what treasury is focusing on you know where we can deliver value add you know what's mm-hmm. their requirements making sure that you know the banks provide proper service to the group so that you get the maximum uh, efficiency out, out of them and then probably the, the last point touched on this in, in the beginning it's been an element throughout my career is just you know, never stop being curious Never stop learning. Continue to to ask questions. Whenever I'm in a meeting and somebody tells me, you know, sorry for asking this, this stupid question. The first thing I said is, there's, there's no such thing. The, the, you know, the only stupid thing you can do is not ask that question. You know, so continue to to ask and to to understand. Venture out of your comfort zone. Venture outside of, of what you do on a, on a day-to-day basis. That's how you get exposure. 
and you're going to land up with working on something that that you really enjoy. If you can enjoy your your job on a day to day basis, that's that's the best position you can can end up with. Amazing, and you know, just give and prove your value to your group, and at the same time always embrace that curiosity and i think i've heard that a number of times but i really love your summary of that that was amazing yeah thank you for your time today so i know that we could keep talking and there were so many bits in there i wanted a deep dive in you know like linkedin and various bits but i had to avoid it because i don't want to take up too much of your day sir i think again we'll put yan's details in the show notes so you can connect with him he's great to have in your network fantastic to have you on the show today and thank you very much sir no, thank you very much for the opportunity, Mike. It's always, always great to to share what what you've learned, you know, over over time, and to provide feedback and to give back. And if it inspires you know, only one person, then then I'm happy. Amazing. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe, depending on where you listen whether that's iTunes, Spotify, or another great place to listen to the show from. It's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show. And maybe whilst you're there, you could even leave a quick review. Reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank. And as you can probably appreciate, the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week. It'd be amazing. Just take, say, 20 seconds, leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks very much, and I can't wait to see you soon.